FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome back to the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by DeMichael Cole, our Grizzlies beat writer over at the Commercial Appeal. We are uh, another uh, another week closer to the start of the NBA playoffs. Um, a lot to get to in this week's episode. Uh, a lot keeps happening with these Grizzlies. Um, since we last joined you, they had that magical win over Phoenix with no one playing. Um, it, the, the playoff picture has crystallized even more. Um, we're a little closer to all NBA awards. Um, and uh, we're we're presumably getting closer to John Morant's potential return, maybe. Um, so lots to get to. We'll talk about it all here uh, on on this episode. Let's start though, DeMichael. I, I want to start with John Morant. Um, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday afternoon. You are uh, on the road with the team. They're coming off an overtime loss to the Utah Jazz, in which Ja and Dylan Brooks did not play. Uh, DeMichael, are you in Denver or Salt Lake City as we record this? I'm, I'm in Denver, so I, I got to Denver. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So your red dot, your red dot on the phone is, uh, your pin, your pin location is, uh, Denver right now. Um, with Ja, it is interesting. We have, as we're recording this again, we have three regular season games left for the Grizzlies. Uh, the last time Taylor Jenkins spoke about this on Monday at practice before the team left for Memphis, uh, he said that Ja had partic- had been a full participant in that day's practice, uh, but that they didn't do any full contact work that day uh, and reiterated he will be evaluated midweek. So um, presumably we will find we will get another update ahead of tomorrow night's game at Denver. Um, but the question I have for you, DeMichael, does John Morant need to play another game this regular season? Do you think it's important that he plays one, at least another regular season game before the playoffs begin a week from uh, Saturday? So a week and a half from when we're recording this. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I think so, Mark, you know, and specifically because, you know, the minutes thing and, and it being, you know, it's only knee soreness, but it's still, you know, a knee injury is, is one of the most sensitive injuries in basketball from a mental perspective, more than just the physical side. So I think, you know, having him come back, play, you know, 30 plus minutes, and then that next day after the game, he feels his knee and his knee feels fine and, and saying, okay, you know, my knee is good now. Uh, I think you – I mean, it doesn't have to be two games. doesn't have to be three. I think you should at least want that one game before you go into a, a postseason um, series against what will probably be a real good team, Mark. Yeah, I, I look at it as I don't, I don't think he needs to – like if he doesn't play another game this regular season, I don't think it's some disaster – I don't think right. it means he's not going to play well in game one of the playoffs. So I don't know. Needs feels too strong to me. I don't think he needs to play another game. Mm-hmm. I look at it as I think I, I think you'd you want him to play one at least one game. So go. he gets the first game out of the way. Um, 
you know, just in terms of you'd rather him test out that knee in, say, a low-stakes game against the New Orleans Pelicans uh, on Saturday rather than have him testing it out in the first quarter of game one of a first-round playoff series. That's how I right. – but, but, again, exactly. needs feels too strong. I, I think I want him to play another game. And, and you know, maybe if you ask Ja, he, he doesn't think he needs it. Um, but um, that's how I sort of look at it. And I, I suspect, unless there's some sort of setback, my suspicion is we will see him play one more game. Like, I think that Saturday game seems perfect. You know, you're not going to mm-hmm. play him on Sunday and the second, you know, the regular season finale is going to be the second game of a back-to-back. I don't think you're going right. to play him in that situation. Um, just because I don't think a lot of, I think that game is going to be similar to the Phoenix Suns game where you're just going to see a lot of the regulars are just not going to play, even though we should note this afternoon, it got flexed to TNT. It's going to be a nationally televised game against the Celtics to close out the regular season Sunday at FedEx forum. But I, that's how sort of, I look at it is, is I want him to play another game. I don't think he needs to. And I suspect ultimately he will play one more game this season. And I can see that because, you know, um, at the end of the day, whoever they play, they'll they'll have as good as a chance probably of winning that series, whether he plays, you know, 27, 28 minutes in that first game and then goes full board for the rest of the series. I don't think it'll change much from that perspective, um, pretty much like you're saying. But I just think, you know, getting him that one game, it's, there's a lot of hurdles that can be crossed before you get to the postseason. The mental perspective that I just mentioned, and then there's conditioning. You know, even though he's ramping up right now, you know, he's practicing. You know, he's doing a lot of running, a lot of cardio. At the end of the day, players always say it, and, and, and coaches too. There's in shape, and then there's basketball shape, and that basketball shape doesn't happen until you're on that court and you're playing, you know, 30 plus minutes. I mean, there's playing in the scrimmage against your teammates or, or getting up and down, um, doing that work, but it's, it's different when you're on the court. I would say one caveat that to that though, is they're going to have a week break. No matter what he does, there's going to mm-hmm. be a week in the end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs. So it's not like he's going to be playing games. If you know, like, I don't know how much game shape he's going to get just from playing in one game. And then presumably if it's, let's say it's Saturday, he plays in one game, but then doesn't play again until the following Saturday. Is he really going to be in that much better shape from that? As opposed to if he didn't play that game, but then like practiced all week that week. And like, I don't know the game shape thing. I don't, I, I agree with you that generally speaking, that's right. I don't know if that applies to this situation just because there's that weak gap between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs. It's a, it's a gap by the way, that I think gets unaccounted for when we talk, you know, this is only the second year of this play in situation where the seven plays the eight and the nine plays the 10. And, 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 and I I don't think people thought about it much at the creation of the play in, but you know, the fact that it, for the one and two seeds in each conference, it creates a scenario where, again, they have a whole week off and then the team they're playing in the first round is playing games um, it, it, during that time. Um, and frankly, even for the three, you know, it used to be the NBA playoffs. You just the regular season ended and then a couple of days later, the playoffs started. Um, so it's created a little bit of a different dynamic in terms of 
you know, especially this last week of the regular season, how do you handle your team to maximize both staying in rhythm and also being rested uh, for the opening round of the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, that makes that makes sense, too. So it's mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when they get that week off, how will they use that? But I mean, when we talk about him playing and, and getting, you know, that so-called game shape or whatever, I think that's just one of those mental hurdles, too, more so than the physical perspective of him going out there and saying, you know, playing 30, yeah. 30 minutes and then playing, you know, 35 minutes next week in the playoffs. I think it's more of, you know, getting that second win and actually, you know, getting that out of the way because he's going to probably be tired after that first game and and just seeing how tired he's going to be and when is he going to be tired and learning from that. So I think more than anything, you know, physically, I mean, I think we said this last week too, physically, I mean, we both saw him in pregame and being, he he doesn't look, you know, terrible or anything. Like he he definitely looks like when he gets reevaluated, um, he should more than likely be cleared. It's just the, they're going to have to wait, do they want to play him or not? he should be able to play, but it's a decision if they want to play him. Well, hey, they may not They may not need him. <clears throat> they just beat the Phoenix. They just beat the best team in the NBA without him, without Desmond Bain, without Jaron Jackson Jr., without Tyus Jones. Um, they're missing four-fifths of their starting lineup. Um, <laughs> I'm, what do you think that means for this group? Like, I mean, ultimately – the fact that they are winning so much without John Morant, that they went out and beat the Suns without all these big time players, um, how, what is does that is that meaningful at all in terms of what this team's capable of, or is it just kind of something you kind of leave aside in in terms of how you view this team's playoff chances? Like to you, does that does that mean something long term? What they've done. With you know the the fact that they've been able to win no matter who's out there on the court, or do you think that's just something kind of a regular season quirk that won't apply to the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's one of those regular season things to me, Mark. I mean, it's cool because it helps like Taylor Jenkins and his Kennedy. It you know it it helps uh, give these players like Zaire Williams, John Conchar much more playing time. So when they get in those those tough situations, you know, in the playoffs, they'll they'll be pretty you know, prepared and ready to go. But overall, I mean, in the postseason, you know, these starters for these other teams, they're going to be playing 37, 38, 40 minutes. And quite frankly, you know, it's it's not going to be a lot of time to to pound someone's bench like the Grizzlies have done uh, most of the season. And it's, it's going to be best against best. Like, if you play, you know, the Timberwolves, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards are going to be on the court a lot. And there's not going to be enough time to take advantage of, you know, what is probably, you know, a weaker bench as compared to the Grizzlies. So there's there's that. But but, yeah, I think it's it's more of a, a regular season thing. And it's it's a great thing. I mean, like I said, it helps Taylor Jenkins more than anyone when you talk about his coach of the year candidacy. But in the postseason, I, I, I don't think it'll have as as big of an effect. Yeah, no, it's uh, it. I am interested to see how the Grizzlies played in this regular season, the style, the way their strengths will as a team. I think it's going to be just fascinating to see how that transfers over into the playoffs. Can they play the same way 
and succeed in a big way like they have in the regular season in the playoffs. I, I think it is the it is the overarching question surrounding all of this that like because they they've just played they've they've won in such an interesting and unique way with not only the 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 way they played without jaw in the lineup but the way they you know unlike a lot of teams they're not super reliant on hitting three pointers uh, right in terms well I should say they are reliant on three pointers and that three point when they're hitting threes it's a good sign they're they gonna win. win the game yeah <laughs> but just in general they don't have you know Desmond Bain's really the only consistent three point shooter they got. Then they got a bunch of streaky guys, um, <laughs> which runs counter to some of you know kind of the way the NBA is trended. They thrive in transition with second chance points, with with creating turnovers, and like you know, will that work? Will they be able to play to to force their style on teams? And and a situation that typically, uh, you know, that the playoffs typically slow the pace down. You right. know, it, it's not up and down like that. I, I am, I think it's going to be um, the number one overarching story in terms of if you're like an X's and O's person, like will the Grizzlies be able to uh, enforce their style of play on a series? You 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 you're right, Mark. Like that's that's the question, and and, and I'm gonna tell you this, like. When I was in Salt Lake City, when I was in Utah, just talking to all the the you know the writers who were there, and there were a couple national guys there too. That's the biggest question they have for the Grizzlies as well. And actually, someone asked Taylor Jenkins about it. You know, they basically asked them, "Look, um, people think you know some of the things that you do won't translate. It's, you know, won't." Like the way they did in the in the regular season to the postseason. What are your thoughts on that? And Taylor Jenkins basically was like, um, you know, I don't care. We're gonna continue to do the things that we're good at, and we're gonna keep emphasizing those things. And and that's his perspective of it. But Mark, it's it's actually a good point because, like you just mentioned, second chance points, uh, fast break. You know, the fast break scoring opportunities, the steals, the blocks, the way they create turnovers. A lot of those stats are hustle stats, and the thing about hustle stats is a lot of it comes, you know, there is a lot of skill and scheme involved in that, but mo uh, for the most part, a lot of that comes from just playing harder, just, just being, you know, grittier. But the thing about the playoffs is superstars are going to be diving on the floor a little bit more. Whereas in the regular season, anyone on the Grizzlies may dive on the floor. Whereas another team, they probably just try to bend down and reach for the ball. Like teams are going to give that extra energy especially with those second chance opportunities think about the regular season when someone's under the rim battling with steven adams they probably just give up oh, i'm not about to try to fight this big guy off in the postseason they're going to scrap a little bit harder because every possession means that much so i think you know it's an interesting thing to bring up but a lot of their stats are are more the hustle stats and you think about like in the postseason what wins it, you you need those you know shot creators who can can um when because you know everyone knows everyone's offense when you get to the postseason they're gonna try to take you out of your stuff force you to do isolation things and like you said slow the game down and who will the Grizzlies rely on you know when it when that time comes I mean if you want to be picky you go to that Utah game Jaron Jackson got real hot late in that fourth quarter to get it to overtime by making some three pointers and he those were the only three three pointers he made in the game. But you go to overtime, you know, they didn't have that John Morant, which they will have in the postseason. But 
teams will zero in on him as that scorer. And Desmond Bain has been getting guarded a lot differently lately. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that really translates. I mean, that's that's the number one thing I want to see, too. I think I think certain things can like I think the, the turnovers and, and stuff that will definitely translate. But as far as like uh, the fast break points and, and all of that, I want to see how that goes, Mark. Yeah, no, and it's it's uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting about the game is them closing with Jaron at the five in overtime and how they struggled to rebound with that lineup in there against Utah. Um, that was something to monitor. Just I don't think it means they shouldn't do it again. I actually think they should, but it was a reminder that for that lineup to work, Jaron has to be a monster on the glass. Um, he can't be passive on the glass or it's just not going to work. Um, right. But um, we'll see. That's you know a little nitpicky thing. We're recording this the day Grizzlies playoff tickets for games one and two of that first round series against either. It looks like it's not official. Official. There's still some games to you know still some games to be played. It's not clinched, but it is looking increasingly like the Grizzlies will face either Minnesota or the Clippers in the first round. But tickets mm-hmm. to games one and two uh, went on sale to the general public today. And one thing that I thought was uh, was great um, and also interesting is you go over to that site to try and buy tickets um, with the pre-sales that happened for season ticket holders and all that. Um, it looks like they basically sold every ticket in the lower bowl and pinnacle level at this point. Um, the only tickets you can really buy are in the upper parts of the upper deck at FedEx yeah. Forum for games one and two. And I think it's a sign of you know, how much, how excited people are about this team. And I think how much people think this is the start of a big, this could, this is the start of a big run. Not just, this isn't just what people are not expecting this to just be, you know, one playoff series. I think people are ramping up, uh, kind of imagining the possibilities. I think, and I think, you know, frankly, it it feels like the, um, the, the last couple weeks have really added to that feeling and the way, you know, the way this team beat Brooklyn, then mm-hmm. Milwaukee, and then that Phoenix game the other night, the way they did it without John Morant, I think really that opened up eyes. I think everyone in Memphis knew how good this team was, but I think it kind of reinforced like, oh, like who's to say this isn't the year this team does it? Like who's to say this is just the beginning of, right. of, uh, of this team as a contender, maybe this this could be a year for this team to get over the top because there really isn't a team in the NBA, at least from a regular season perspective, that they haven't been capable of beating. Um, so, uh, and I think the ticket sales here early uh, demonstrate that uh, that 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 a lot of people are starting to grab hold of that reality that like, oh. This team could do it right now. Yeah, and, and and you know, a big part of that is another thing that I've been hearing people say is, "Oh, experience this, experience that." And I think personally, Mark, I, I always have been one. Experience in some cases is kind of just like an overrated um, saying because at the end of the day, you're playing basketball, and it's the same. It's the same game, just a little bit more physical. And Taylor Jenkins has really been emphasizing that the physicality you talked about, you know, the rebounding and, and you know, when Jaron Jackson was at the five and that is something that he really focused on. 
in the postgame saying, you know, matching a team like Utah's physicality is is a big emphasis for them going into the postseason. But experience, I think, is an overrated uh, factor. And I mean, look no further than like what, you know, Phoenix did. And everyone was saying that last season and they stretched right on to the finals. And I mean, it's, it's been happening, you know, for a while. It happened, you know, the OKC team in, in, in 2012, you know when they uh, made their run to the finals with basically a bunch of guys who just became old enough to drink. Like, uh, it's a it's a whole different, you know. Atlanta Atlanta last year was Atlanta. similar, like kind of kind of exactly. advanced, you know, despite their, you know, because Phoenix had at least had Chris Paul. Um, it felt like yep. Atlanta was, a good, yeah, is kind of a good uh, example of a team that kind of, you know, in its first go-round, you know, they went to the conference finals. So, um, no, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, there's a lot of dynamics that you think won't affect the Grizzlies, but, until, you know, because they've never, you know, they've been only in one playoff series at this point for five right. games, you don't really know. Um, and that's, you know, like experience, I, I hear what you're saying, it's overrated, but it's also like over time, if you look at the great teams in NBA history, there is a pattern of, okay, it's not just like you a surface for one year as a contender and then disappear. Like the teams that are true contenders have five to 10 year lifespans. Include, I include the grit and grind in this, like five to 10 year yeah. lifespans where every year they've got a chance. Um, and, you know, you're, it's about giving yourself as many chances as possible. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. Like, and that's what this team ultimately should do, right? And 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 that they're in the position to do that. And and you know, one thing too, just picking back and off that point, is with that that Lakers pick not being available now, Mark. And and well, I mean, with the Lakers losing. You know, uh, well, I think, again, I think there's like a minuscule chance still. That yeah, it'll it's, be it's, it's like a point. The Lakers first round pick like a point five percent. So it's 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 possible, but it's not as likely. You know, a month ago, it seemed almost like they were in a really good spot to get it. But that, well, I think it, I think it's basically it take a miracle to get it at this point. But still, yeah. there is the mm -hmm. miracle uh, scenario out there. But more than likely. They're going to end up with two second round picks now instead of the Lakers first round pick. Right, exactly. And, and, and with that, I think, you know, when you're talking about their future and, and leveraging it, losing that pick actually, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. It's not a, you know, like deal breaker with, with how this team will, will go in the future. But I think that was a great that would have been a great opportunity to see um what how Zach Kleiman really views um this this young core, how much he wants to build around it and what he wants to put around it because that draft pick having a late lottery pick added on to a possible, you know, the Jazz pick and their own first round pick. So no team really drafts three players in the first round. They were gonna have to do something to package that in some type of way. And it and it would have been interesting to see if it would have been for a higher draft pick or if it would have been for, you know, you can get a really good player with a late lottery pick. So um, we, we won't get to see that now and, and how that would have played out. But, uh, Mar, I mean, what, what what do you think about just 
that 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 pick. I, I thought it was a it was a big deal, and I think you know we'll miss that opportunity. I really wanted to see what Zach Kleiman uh, was really going to do with that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. He could still do something. You never know. I mean, they still have that Warriors pick down the line. Yep. Uh, like 24, I think, first-round pick from the Warriors. Um, no, I think uh, the thing I think about it is it's like it's unbelievable that the Lakers – like when that deal got made right before the draft, like that was the part of the deal where you were like, okay, well, the Lakers are the favorite to win the NBA title. Of course that's going to be a first-round pick. It was more like, man, it's going to be like the 30th pick. Um, it's really going to be like a second round pick in, in a lot of ways. Um, like, you know, ne- I just never, I don't think very many people could have envisioned a scen- the scenario that's actually playing out where the Lakers were so bad, they don't even make the play in. And, uh, that pick isn't a first round pick for the Grizzlies now instead, because of the protection Orleans used, it's now two second round picks. Um, right. That's really what I don't even think about the ramifications from climate's perspective. I just think about how unlikely this whole scenario <laughs> is. It's like almost just as unlike, unlikely as like before the season, if you had said the Grizzlies were going to finish second or the Lakers were going to miss the playoffs. Like, I don't know which I think those would have been like up there they with two of the most unlikely <laughs> things that you would have predicted before the season. Yeah, that's that's like two needles in a haystack in one season. Like, that's that's incredible. And and, and, you and know, they that, both combined to to in a in a in a in a deal. Like both those scenarios combined mm-hmm. to create like a you know in this in this trade that again it was like the if you if you forget it was the Jonas Valanciunas trade where the Grizzlies got Stephen Adams uh, and moved up in the draft order mm-hmm. in order. And they ultimately pick Zaire Williams. So it'll end up being, if it plays out as expected, if there's no miracle, it'll end up being six percent. What? Ninety nine point six percent. That's the exact odds so, on it. So if if we assume the point four percent doesn't happen in the in the draft lottery, let's assume that for now for this discussion. That means that trade will officially go down as the Grizzlies gave up Jonas. And the number 18 pick, I think it was, in last year's draft, in exchange for um, Steven Adams, the number 10 pick, and two second-round picks. I still think probably, given how well Adams has played for the Grizzlies and how promising Zaire has looked, I still think you come away especially given how well the Grizzlies play this year going Grizzlies won that trade pretty, pretty well, you know, like, not, I don't know if convincingly is the right word, but like did a pretty good job in that trade. Um, but if, if you added in a first round pick, a lottery, a late lottery pick too, it would have been like one of those up there with, you know, a, a big time swindle, if you will, by the Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> I don't envision, you know, like we talk about the future projections of this team. I don't envision them getting that close to to getting, you know, a pick that high anytime in the near future. I mean, you know, you talked about the Golden State pick. I, I don't, I don't see Golden State drastically falling off uh, in the next couple of years because they they got a nice crop of young talent to go with their older guys and and whatnot. So, I mean, it would have been. I mean, I'll just like to get inside these guys' minds because when you see how the transactions they make, that is when you get the real 
a sense of how they feel about certain, you know, players, the team. And I think adding, you know, three, three first round draft picks, um, that gives you some crazy draft capital. It would have been real cool to see um, how, you know, climbing and, and the rest of the front office would have leveraged that situation. Now, I mean, when you mentioned, they still have two, still have two first round picks, still have a future, you know, uh, first and, and they just added a couple seconds. You still can get, you know, good players with that. There's just, I don't think there's going to, you know, you're talking role players now instead of some big time, you know, like shot creator or something like that, or, you know, moving up in the draft, even if they want to just stick with the young group and kind of like, you know, buy low on a high first round pick and and build like a another Zaire Williams type uh, guy. And you got two late first, so the chances of that actually happening now are are decreased. But I mean, no one saw this happening though. I mean, the Lakers were projected to finish near the top of the West. I mean, they you, had you the just... best NBA title odds in the entire <laughs> league. It's it probably never happened. The team that was the preseason favorite didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, didn't even didn't make even the make play the play-in. It's it's insane. Like, it's crazy. All right, we'll wrap it up like this, to Michael. Tell tell me how you think. How does this last week play out? Um, how how do the Grizzlies approach this game against Denver tomorrow night, and also these last two home games? How do you think this ha- plays out? Do you think they break the franchise record for regular season wins? They need two more to do it. They need yeah. to go two and one for these last three. What? Do you, what how do you think this plays out? Man, I, I I don't see it anymore. Mar. I think they'll tie it. I think they'll tie it for sure. But um, because Denver, I'm 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 starting to think. You know, after the game went into overtime and just just getting a sense of just talking to Taylor Jenkins after the game, it felt like you know he's. That the game, the fact that it went into overtime in Utah will probably impact how many guys play in Denver. And if that's the case, you know, Denver Denver is still trying to play its way out of that play in conversation. So Denver's gonna be full bore in that game and Denver's probably gonna, you know, win. And if that happens, you only have, you know, a Celtics team who's gonna probably be playing for seeding at that point, while the Grizzlies in that last game is probably gonna be the Memphis Hustle. Uh, versus the Boston Celtics, and you got that game against the Pelicans, where I think on Saturday that'll be the Grizzlies kind of you know dress rehearsal type game. Everyone's going to play; they're going to play you know a nice amount of minutes, and that's going to be the last game they go full board before the playoffs. I think there's your win right there against the Pelicans. That puts you at 56. That ties the record, and I think it comes down to that last game. If if Boston, you know, Boston has a couple tough games coming up, so if Boston, you know kind of loses and, and and falls into that fourth seed and they don't have anything to play for in that last game, then you're looking at uh this this the the Santi Aldamas and the Xavier Tillmans, the Jared Covers, the Tyrell Terry's possibly um breaking the franchise record. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh that'll be an interesting dynamic to see how who play who exactly plays, who sits, how they're sat, all that. Um, you mentioned Denver. You're right. Technically, Minnesota can still catch them. I would note Minnesota three and five over its last eight. When we, as we record this, feels like it's a long shot at this. But my my gut tells me it's more about whether Denver Denver right as we record this is a half game behind Utah. And so right. is 
Utah the sixth seed is it, or is Denver the sixth seed feels like the bigger question mark. And then, exactly. like I said, I think to me it's pretty. It, you know, I guess there is an outside scenario where Denver falls into the like they lose out and Minnesota wins out and Denver falls into the play-in. But, but it's, super it's, helpful, it's yeah. much more likely that it's Minnesota Clippers in that play. And we just got news today that the Clippers are getting Norm Powell back. To, um, so potentially they'll have Norm Powell back for the playoffs. That only adds to my feeling last week that I've held throughout the last couple of weeks. I would much rather face the Timberwolves, even though they've played the Grizzlies tough this year. I'd much mm-hmm. rather play the Timberwolves in a first-round series than play the Clippers. I'm with you, Mark. I'm with you now, man. And then um, with the the video of Kawhi Leonard, it, it, it wasn't much. You know, they they were trying not to show him shooting and and clearly very private. But it's one of those weird things. Like, what if he there's a game six closeout game? Uh, the Grizzlies can close the series out, and 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 he you know just pops up and. And makes this return. I mean, it's a it's a tricky situation with the Clippers, and and Ty Lue is is battle tested. You know, um, he's as battle tested as they come. So that'll that'll be tough. I mean, the Timberwolves team they're another young team, kind of like the Grizzlies, and I think that's a series the Grizzlies can kind of enforce their will. And whereas uh, the Clippers will be much more aggressive, and and a lot of guys on that team, I mean, they just made a Western Conference Finals appearance last season. They're gonna uh, be ready. Yeah. Well, by the next time we record another episode, we will probably know exactly who the Grizzlies are going to need to go through in that first round um, next week. It'll play out uh, the play in next Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday. So less than a week from now when that play in game will happen. So we'll know by then uh, what lies exactly what lies ahead. We'll have tons of coverage of everything over at Commercial Appeal dot com to michael will be writing evan barnes uh will be uh helping out with our coverage as well um i'll be writing columns it's uh you know it is it is we are here finally you know Des- desmond bain said we, we here yeah we here all right we're finally, <laughs> it's finally here almost the playoffs um the growl towels will be out soon um tickets are on sale now uh so lots of fun things on the horizon if you are a Grizzlies fan, and, and hopefully you'll uh, stay tuned to commer- the commercial appeal for all of your Grizzlies coverage. Till next week, I was Mark. That was DeMichael. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will uh, we'll talk to you after the regular season's over. Grizzlies podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.